0: All right, everybody, say a happy birthday, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. <laughs> happy birthday, Jesus. Wow, wow, that's amazing. So good to see you all. I hope to try, I try to get around to greet everybody and to wish them, but this is wonderful to see you here, and uh, some old friends to see you visiting with us again. It's always a great honor to have you with us this morning. It was wonderful. What a great What a great time. So um, I want to give you all a gift if you haven't received it yet. There's a book that I wrote called Yes, You Can um, Achieve Your Dreams. I have them on a table outside, and I'd like you to take one per family. If you haven't taken one, please. Uh, It's an amazing book. Um, It deals with things like overcoming procrastination, uh, the fear of failure. It deals with um, God building you up so that you can achieve your dreams, and that's a Totally an encouraging book. So please stop by the book table outside and help yourself. And if you haven't bought a gift for somebody and you're going to the Christmas party now, take two. One for you and one for them, okay? Um, also, we have some USB drives out there, three different colors, uh, because th- there are sermons on here. And these used to be sold when I traveled, and I'd like to give. Please help yourself to them, and if you want to see what's on them, there's a a little sheet that you can see uh, what is on them, and they're they're color-coded, all right? So again, go ahead, help yourself, and I believe that'll be a blessing to you. All right, are we ready to get into the Word? Yes. Amen. Well, um, let me think. Mm, I think I should preach about Christmas. You know, uh, there are so many miracles that happened at Christmas time, so many wonderful things that took place. Um, And I've just selected seven out of the many that happened that I'd like to uh, just highlight this morning. And I know that we all know that Christmas is about the birth of Jesus, right? We all know that. So when we see a nativity scene, I wonder what the world thinks about the nativity scene, if there's still one available and they haven't been smashed or torn down or outlawed, you know. But nevertheless, the nativity scene, what do they think when they see the nativity scene? Well, we know it's about Jesus and about Jesus' birth. But what does that mean? So I've got seven wonders I want to draw your attention to. And the first one is this, that it speaks of the gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We all know John 3.16, and we can all quote it right here, right now, Let's go together. Come. For God so loved, and if you don't know it, you can follow on the board. Go ahead. Keep going. Yes? But have everlasting life. All right, so there we go. So um, I want you to do something in this. I want you to pick out certain words. Watch this, and we pick out certain words out of that scripture there. Let's pick out the word God only Son. Perish, eternal, and life. Let's pick those words out. Waiting for you at the back. There we go. All right. Christmas has reached the back. Awesome. So there's the words I picked out. Now, let me show you something else about that. I'm going to take an acronym from that. I'm going to take each letter of those words. God's only son, perish, eternal life. See what that spells. There you go, isn't that interesting? Yay! I'm smarter than I look, huh? Took me a long time to figure that one out, but there we go. Gospel. God. The, this scripture says God so loved the world. You know, it didn't say God so loved the church. God so loved. We have this idea that Christians are more loved than the world, and yet God said God so loved the world. Okay? He wants them to become part of the church, but we should never forget that. You see, the gospel truly is the journey of Jesus' life. He began with the Father, and uh, He came to earth, born of Mary, a virgin. He lived a sinless life on the earth in obedience to the Father. Then He went to the cross as a sacrificial offering on our behalf, paying the price for our sin. Went to hell in our place was raised from the dead in the resurrection by the Holy Spirit, ascended back to heaven, and was seated at the right hand of God the Father in the place of absolute authority and victory. And He did that all for us. He did it as our representative. Amen. So you see, the 33 years that we saw Jesus on the earth, from His birth to His ascension, is only a small segment of His journey that he went through on our behalf, all right? Okay, number two, second wonder I want to talk about, is that Jesus is God's gift to the world. God so loved the world that he gave. There it is. He gave his son, Jesus. In fact, Jesus said that he was the gift of God. He said so. You remember the story when Jesus was at uh, uh, Samaria, and there was a woman that came to draw water, and he asked her for some water. Do you remember that story? And... uh, Then, you know, she said, well, how do you, you know, you're a Jew and you don't have any dealings with the Samaritans. And this is what he said to her. He said in John 4, verse 10, he answered and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. Of course, she goes on and she says, well, give me this living water to drink. And uh, he says an amazing thing. He says, go call your husband. And you know, um, that reminds me of this. Whenever you're in a discussion with somebody, never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. You certainly don't do that in a court of law, right? You get caught out. Anyway, Jesus knew what the answer was, and she says, I don't have a husband. And she said, yep. He said, you're right. You've had five, and the guy you're shacking up with right now is not your husband. They weren't married. But he didn't condemn her. She ran off back into the city, into the village, and she told everybody what Jesus had said, and they all came out to meet Jesus. So the gift of God healed her broken heart and her shattered dreams. Divorced five times. Given up on the idea of being happily married. She's now chosen just to live with the guy. Broken hearted. You talk about carrying uh, baggage into your next marriage. You can't imagine what she would have gone through. But you know what I think? The gift of God that healed her broken heart and gave her something to dream about again is the same gift of God that's available to you. And whatever you may be facing or whatever you have been through, the gift of God can heal you and put your dreams back together again. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can give you a fresh vision. The gift of God fits every need because His name is Jesus. Number three, Christmas is the fulfillment of a number of 700-year-old prophecies. Now, I'm not going to go and give you all these many, maybe 39 or more. I'm going to just give you a few from the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah actually had more messianic uh, prophecies than any other book in the Bible. So we'll pick up on the one that you're most familiar with. And that's Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. Now, it doesn't go on to expound what Emmanuel means. It just leaves you with that. And that would be confusing enough, just that a virgin is going to give birth. And then it just leaves you in the dark. And then Isaiah 9 6, same prophet, he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now watch this verse. Let me explain something here in this verse. A child is born is referring to the birth of Jesus to Mary. That's his humanity. But a son is given is talking about his divinity. So he's 100% man. And 100% God at the same time. In theology, we call that the hypostatic union. I don't want to confuse anybody, but come to Bible school I'll explain it to you. (laughs) But there we have the humanity of God in Jesus and we have the divinity, the Son. You see, the Son was not born. The Son was given. God gave the Son. Amen? But Jesus was born. Number four. The fourth, oh, another hundred dollars for the building fund. Revival. Yay. <laughs> Number four, a virgin became pregnant supernaturally. In Matthew 123, the scripture says the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Hello. This is quoting Isaiah 7, verse 14. And now the explanation is given which means God with us. Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. We can't understand the Old Testament without the New Testament. And the Old Testament was the New Testament concealed. Emmanuel, they didn't go, who's that? What does that mean? Nobody in the Jewish Community is called Emmanuel. Who's this? Well, we'll find out 700 years later. They're going to call his name Emmanuel. It's going to mean God with us. Since there is the fulfillment of this wonderful experience where the virgin supernaturally became pregnant. Number five, God came to earth as a man. God came to earth as a man. Jesus is God walking. Among His creation, God in the flesh among us. You see, Jesus was born to die and died to live. And we live because He died and rose again. Amen? Jesus was born to die but died to live. Now, He came to earth and put on flesh, human form. Can you imagine just for a moment the claustrophobic sensation of God being in a human body? I am claustrophobic in my body. I try and expand it as much as I can. Anybody working with me on that? But in the new year, we'll reverse that. But right for now, we're just hanging out together. Amen? All right. Somebody said I'm looking a lot like Santa these days. So God came to earth as a man. Look at John 1.1. In the beginning. That's right. In the very, 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 very beginning. Before time ever began on earth. Because there's no time in eternity. In the beginning was the Word. Now we're going to find out that that Word is actually Jesus. And the Word was with God. Hold on to your hats now. And the Scripture says, and the Word was God. Say it one more time. The Word was God. We have to understand that. The Word was God. Now, through Him, verse 3 says, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made That was made. So through Jesus, all creation came into being. So to deny creation is to deny the divinity of Jesus. They went over well. So you see, the teaching of evolution is the denial of the divinity of Jesus. That's what it is. Don't come along here with a story about, you know, fish and little tails and all kind of stuff. That's what we say in South Africa, rubbish. <laughs> what you say is trash, but trash doesn't sound as good. Yeah. Rubbish. Turn and tell somebody rubbish. rubbish. Does it sound good? <laughs> rubbish. Everything was made by Jesus. Everything was made by Jesus. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. Verse 14 says, And the Word, which was mentioned in verse 1, became flesh. And We sung about it today. The Word became flesh, took on human form. Jesus said, A body have you prepared me. He took on human form, He took on flesh, and He made His dwelling among us. John says, and we saw His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Amen. So the Word was God, was Jesus, came to the earth in the flesh and dwelt amongst us. Number six, and you might think this is a strange wonder. Number six is the humility of Jesus, the humility of Jesus. The father allowed his son to be born in a stable. Could have been born in a palace. Could have had one of the wealthiest people in the world accommodate his birth. But he chose to let him be born in a stable. In fact, if you read the historical books on this, the stable was inside a cave. It wasn't a building. It was inside a cave. This is traditionally where... Herdsmen would take their flock. They would, they'd find a place to shelter. Now, you must understand what this thing looked like. And I'm sure in your imagination, if you go there with me, you could probably smell the smell in your imagination. Yeah. And uh, you could see all the animals that are in there. It wasn't only little beautiful little lambs going, amen. Yes. <laughs> no, there were all kinds of things. There was cows going, move over. So there's a lot of stuff going on there. And you know what? There were other tribesmen in there. They didn't come along. Mary and Joseph, sorry, we've booked a room with a view. You guys have got to leave. No, they were all pressed into this cave. It was a mess inside there. And there was straw and stink and everything else going on inside. That's where they were. And God permitted that for his son. Jesus humbled himself. And because He humbled Himself throughout His life, from the very beginning, all the way through His life to the cross, because He humbled Himself, God highly exalted Him. It's one of the wonders of Christmas. It's about the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus. See, Philippians 2 and verse 8 says, And being found in appearance as a man. Being found in appearance. Had taken on the flesh, Jesus the man. He humbled Himself and became obedient even to death. Even death on a cross. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore. We have to understand what happened. Because of the humility, therefore, God highly exalted Him. God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Can we give God praise? Let me unpack this verse for you. Let me just open this thing up and give you some understanding. Everybody say every. Do you notice it says every tongue? Do you see it says every knee? So does that mean somebody's knee is left out and somebody's tongue is left out? Does that possibly mean that your knee may be left out? Or that your tongue might be left out? Or are you included in the every? Every single person on the face of the earth is included in the every. Now I want you to notice something. This is a prophetic word. This is something God promised. Now, we know Jesus came, according to Scripture. We've already seen the prophecy. He fulfilled that. And now God prophesies about what's going to happen in the future. You see, in the future, there's going to be a time where every knee bows and every tongue confesses. Well, we have an option. The Scripture says, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, which is hell. Three three worlds. So we have this wonderful option right here, right now, while we are on earth to fulfill that prophecy. See, we can go, Jesus, your Lord. I can bow my knee already. Jesus, your Lord, I I acknowledge you as the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I've done it. It's done. I'm not going to be forced to do it. I did it willingly. But there's going to be people who refuse to do it on earth. And they will be compelled to do it later. Otherwise, that scripture is a lie. So if you're listening, if you're watching, if you're here today, if you know somebody who has not made Jesus Lord, confessed Him as Lord, or bowed the knee, you might want to tell them, there's going to be a day where before the throne of God, you will acknowledge Jesus is the Lord. And you will bow your knee before Him. The only thing is if you didn't do on earth, you'll be doing it there before you get sent to the hot place. I want you to know. Now, listen, I love you. This is a Christmas story. But you have to know the whole story. Who tried to steal Christmas? Well, they can't steal this. Amen. Amen? So this is the story. The end of the story is we get to say, Jesus, your Lord, right now. We get to worship his Lord. We get to say it with our mouth. And we do it voluntary, and we're so excited to do it. But there's going to come a time when everybody who has not done it on earth will do it in heaven on their way out. They will be going through heaven, and at that point, even though they have acknowledged and recognized Jesus as Lord, it won't mean anything for them. It won't change anything, except they will go to a lost eternity knowing that made a huge mistake in the 70 years that they were on earth. Made a huge mistake, and now it's going to cost them all of eternity. The last point I want to make, another wonder, is Jesus was rejected. He said, how can that be a wonder of Christmas? There was no place found for him at the inn. Remember that? There's no place found for him at the inn. I want you to come with me, again in your imagination, to the inn on Christmas Eve. The inn is fully booked out. There's animals parked outside, donkeys, all kinds of stuff, chickens running around. I mean, it's a mess, Okay. And the innkeeper has got his hair standing straight up like this. People are complaining, bumping into each other, you know, saying the food is cold in the restaurant and it's burnt here and something else is wrong and it's not kosher food and everything else. I mean, it's crazy going on inside this guy in his, in his, uh, you know, in his inn. And Mary and Joseph arrive after having traveled for days and nights to get there. She's around about 16 years old and she's very, very heavy. Baby has dropped. It is obvious, looking at her, she's about to deliver. And Joseph and Mary say, do you have place for us? Can you accommodate us? And this distracted innkeeper, without compassion for her, says, there's a stable you could use just down the road, not too far from us. Maybe gave her directions. They were rejected by the innkeeper. Surely, he would have had compassion enough to say, I can see how far pregnant you are, and I understand you've traveled such a long way. You know what? Come and sleep in my room tonight. I I will sleep on the couch in the the lounge area. You, You take my room. That would have been the compassionate thing to do, don't you think? They were rejected. They were not accommodated. They were not accepted. There was no leniency. No leniency. And see, this is the thing. People think that if they reject Jesus throughout their lifetime, that when they get before God, he will show leniency. Now, the Bible says... In Isaiah, quoting the same prophet. Isn't he amazing? 53 verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men. And then John again, the Apostle John, chapter 1, verse 10. It said, He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him. And we have found that out, He was the Creator. And though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. So you see... The presence of God showed up at the inn. But the innkeeper did not recognize or sense the presence of God. The presence of God was right there. Jesus was right there. Remember, the son didn't have to grow up. His divinity didn't have to mature. His divinity was the same instantly. So the divinity was there. And the innkeeper didn't recognize it. You know how many people go through life and God's presence comes within touching distance of them? Within touching distance, but they don't recognize it. Is it because they're so distracted like the innkeeper was? Too busy to be sensitive to God or just living a lifestyle that way? Now the Bible says that he came to his own. There was the Jews, verse 11 but his own did not receive him they rejected him his own the jews rejected him now verse 12 yet to all who receive to all who receive him to those who believe in his name he gave the right to become children of god i want to camp here just for a little bit i want you to see three things in this in this verse that are crucial Three things I want you to see in this verse. Verse 12, I want you to see the word receive. I want you to see the word believe. And then I want to see become children of God. You see, please hear me. Please listen very carefully to me. Not every person born on the planet Earth is a child of God. Now that might shock you because we hear it all the time. Well, you need to treat everybody because we're all children of God. I have a word from South Africa for you. Turn and tell somebody. It's rubbish. You see, because either the Bible's true or it isn't. And the Bible said that there's a group who rejected him. Because they did not recognize him. The world did not recognize him. They didn't understand the nativity scene. But there's a group who receive and believe and become children of God. That's the contrast. That's our choice. We become children of God. Now at the time, at this time, right at the end of the story, in Mark chapter 15, and verse 7, there was a prisoner by the name of Barabbas. And uh, he and some others had been arrested for murder and been, during a riot and been thrown into prison. So he was a protester. That's who he was. And people got killed in the protest. And so he's thrown into prison for murder and for riotous work. But you see, Barabbas, who was a prisoner, is now going to be released by Pontius Pilate, because the Jews were asking for him to be released. The crowd in Jerusalem. They asked him, pardon and release Barabbas. But Pontius Pilate had already declared Jesus innocent of all crimes. He said, there's no reason for you to kill him. He's innocent. But look what they said in verse 23 and verse 18 of Luke. But they cried out all together, saying, Away with this man and release for us Barabbas. Now you see what's going to happen? Barabbas is a murderer and a known sinner. And what's going to happen is that innocent Jesus is going to take the place of the sinner. And the sinner. Is going to be released. That's the Christmas story. We are the sinners. We are the Barabbas. We are the ones guilty. It may not be murder, it may be something else, but we are guilty. And Jesus, the innocent, gets condemned in our place and we get let out of prison. Scot free. The Christmas story. You see, the Jews saw Barabbas as a solution to their problem. What was their problem? The Roman suppression. And they thought that Barabbas was going to lead a revolution against the Romans, and they would be freed from that suppression. They had already seen Jesus operating. They had seen the miracles, the walking on water, the feeding, the 5,000, 10,000, whatever it was, blind eyes opening, all of those things, they'd seen it. And when they tried to crown him as king, he disappeared in the crowd and wouldn't take it. So now they realize, well, wait a minute, we need somebody who's going to deliver us. We need somebody who's going to change our life for us. And Jesus, if you're not going to do it, we're going to choose somebody else. We think that Barabbas is the answer, not you. Hear me now carefully. There are so many people that are looking to a Barabbas in their life to change the circumstances, to bring about what they need in their life, and at the same time saying, Jesus can't do it. God can't do this thing for me. I have to find another way. I'm looking for a Barabbas. Do you have a Barabbas in your life that you think is going to solve your solution. And bring solution to your problems. Can't do it. You see. Only Jesus. Can solve it. And just as Jesus was rejected then. Guess what? Jesus is still being rejected today. Just as the innkeeper put him out. Wouldn't give him any place. People today. Are still. Not giving Jesus any place in their heart. They still reject Jesus when they hear the story of Jesus. They still reject Jesus when they see the nativity scene. They still reject Jesus as Christmas time, especially at Christmas time. I have a question for you. It's about Christmas. And I believe it's the most important question you'll ever have to answer in your lifetime. Because the way you answer this question will depend on where you spend eternity. And you will live forever. You will live forever. See, all these shootings that you're hearing about in the schools and everywhere else, and then you hear that the person doing the shooting took their own life. They think that they're escaping from here. They don't know they're going straight to hell. For murder. They're going straight to hell. It's a great Christmas story. Thanks for those three holy grunts. You, you, you've got to see this. Where you spend eternity will depend on how you answer this question. And the question is about Jesus. And the question is, whom do you say Jesus is? You see, if, if, if we say or see Jesus as merely as a a mere man, then what it means is that we don't believe in His deity, His divinity. And if we don't believe in His divinity, then we also don't understand His mission. We have no knowledge of His mission. If we have no knowledge of His mission then we have no recognition, understanding of our sinful condition. And if we don't understand our sinful condition, then we have no understanding, acknowledgement, or recognition that we need a Savior who's Jesus. Starts at the very beginning. If you don't understand His divinity, you end up, Believing you don't need a Savior. See, people are quite willing to acknowledge that Jesus was a prophet. That He was a good man, a great teacher. But they refuse to acknowledge Him as God. Because if they have to acknowledge Him as God, that would mean they would have to obey Him. And what's more, would have to recognize and acknowledge that they need a savior for their sinful condition. I'd like every eye closed. I want you to think just a moment. See, God has been speaking to you your whole life, your whole journey, in a way that's meaningful to you. Today, I want to ask you this question, just as Jesus humbled himself, Are you willing to humble yourself today and to choose Jesus as your Savior and Lord? With all of my heart, I'm convinced God gave me this message for you. That this is the moment when God wants you to make an informed decision. To surrender your life to Jesus and to put your faith in Him for salvation. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will open the door, I will come in. I will sup with him. I'll dine with him. I'll live with him. I'll communicate with him. I want you to understand Jesus' humility is to stand outside the door of your heart, which has been closed. Jesus is outside the door, and while your door is closed, you are rejecting Him as Savior and Lord. You say, Pastor Henry, I believe in Jesus. But wait a minute, we read a scripture that said, you not only had to believe, but you had to receive in order to become a son of God. So believing is not sufficient. The Bible even says that the demons and the devil believe, and they shudder. So you see, believing in God is not sufficient to get you to heaven and a life with God for eternity. You have to receive Jesus. What does that mean? You have to open your door. You have to open the door. That will require humility and surrender From your part, you'll have to say in your heart, God, I understand that I've believed in you, but I hear you knocking outside my door, and you won't force your way in. In all of your humility, you will not force your way into my life. You wait for me to invite you to come in. That is receive. You may believe, but today you receive. You open up the heart's door. You say, Jesus, come in. I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm receiving you as my Savior, and I'm believing on you this Christmas morning. You say, I haven't rejected Jesus. You know that when they vote in the House, and the Senate, there's three ways you can vote. You can say yes. You can say no. Or you can abstain. I won't tell you something. Abstaining is the same as saying no. Because it's not a positive. It's not saying yes. And you see so many people go through life in that neutral zone where they are abstaining. They're not saying no to God. But they're not saying yes to God. They're saying yes. Oh I believe in Jesus. But you're not opening the door. You're abstaining. In fact. You are rejecting him because you haven't bowed the knee. You haven't confessed him as Lord with your mouth. Say, Pastor Henry, I'm ready to do it today. I'm ready to do it today. Are you ready to humble yourself, to submit, to open your heart's door? It doesn't matter who sees you. It does matter that God sees you. So while every eye is closed and no one's looking around, if you today are willing to humble yourself, to yield and to surrender to God and open your door and invite Jesus in, would you simply raise your hand? That's all I'm going to ask you to do. Just simply raise your hand. Looking across the congregation, looking for those that are raising their hand. Thank you. I see some hands that have gone up. Thank you so much for those hands that have gone up. Appreciate it. Thank you, Lord. You may look up at me. Now what we're going to do is I'm going to have the band come up. And we want to bless you before you leave. We want to thank God for everything that he's done for us in 2022. And believe 2023 is going to be better than we've ever had before. We're going to thank God we're alive today on this Christmas day, that we have family that's alive, that love us, that we know heaven is our home. We won't ever have to face the torment of hell. We have people that love us and people whom we love. We thank you for good health. We thank you for good jobs. We thank you for meeting all of our needs this year. We thank you for keeping us safe for releasing your angels to be with us. Father, we have so much to thank you for, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you have guided us. You've given us wisdom. You've given us power and anointing. We so appreciate you. We love you. And now, Lord, as we bless the congregation. We ask for your presence to settle upon us in such a wonderful way that this Christmas would be something extra special in every person's life. In Jesus' name. Please stand to your feet. I'm going to have my prayer team coming up, my ministers, pastors, come and join me. If you need prayer for anything while we're doing the song, and the service is not over, this, this song is a deliberate blessing for you, okay? delivered so the service is not over remember the gifts that are out on the table please help yourself to that let's have our ministers come stand here that are going to minister if you need prayer for anything please come out and have them minister to you and now i want to bless you and if you're going to stay in your congregation, if you're stay in the seat close your eyes and receive the blessing of the lord as we sing the blessing to you in jesus name
1: you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. you. Lord bless his face toward you. The Lord turns His face to all
0: be talking about what God is going to be doing in 2023 what he's going to be doing for you in you, through you and by you alright, so don't miss the services as we begin the new year, God bless you, have a wonderful Christmas and a prosperous new year in Jesus' name, thank you for coming out Read somebody, pick up the gifts on the way out at the table outside there, thank you thank you Tim, appreciate it